as somebody gets a little bit older, they might feel a little proud or a little embarrassed. And now they don't want to report if they become a victim of a scammer or any type of financial fraud or duped out of personal information. To Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark, big or small, is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age with energy and joy. Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more about Judy at her website, judybanger.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses and other offerings, hop on over to zestfulaging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my email newsletter, The Insider, where you'll get behind the scenes looks at my interviews and other fun tidbits. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, you know who I have sitting right beside me, my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky. And I am really excited for our interview today. Have you ever been hacked? Do you wonder what you should do to keep your internet identity safe? I had the misfortune of having my TJ Maxx credit card hacked, and there was $3,000 worth of signed sports jerseys charged on it. I didn't even know that you could buy signed sports jerseys over the internet. Today's guest is the ultimate expert in keeping us safe online. Scott Schober is the author of three best-selling security books, including Senior Cyber. And in the book, Scott and Craig pick apart a multitude of cybersecurity scams that relate directly to the financial, socioeconomic, and health and well-being of all seniors by offering simple advice for all levels of cybersecurity experience for grandparents, grandchildren, and everyone in between. Welcome to the show, Scott. Oh, so great to be here, Nicole. Thanks for having me. You know, I uh, my last experience, uh, I talked about my credit card, but my mother-in-law was receiving so many phone calls saying that her social security, you know, she needed to call in, there was an emergency and they needed to get, she had to get a um, an old fashioned uh, answering machine so she could screen her calls because they were literally all day long. And I, I, I guess I'm wondering why are elders so often targeted by cyber crim- criminals and scammers and what more can they do to stay safe? That's a great question. And it's something that I dug in and did a lot of research for. And it was kind of part of the reason, the genesis of my third book, Senior Cyber. Um, seniors, for the most part, tend to be very trusting people. 
and, and part of that might be just the way they grew up and over time they learned to trust people. They're a little more innocent. They also tend to be a little bit more polite and patient. Not all seniors, but for the most part, I think I've, I've seen that. More civilized. Yeah, more civilized. Uh, the generation, I think, that I grew up with, and, and I'm about 51 years old, and my kids, they seem to be less patient, less tolerant, instant gratification. So there's different qualities that I do think come into play, and cyber criminals know this very well. They will often target people if they're more trusting, if they're more innocent, if they're more polite. And that's part of the challenge that I think happens and why they're so so often targeted. Now, they also have um, usually more of a financial savings. They think about, you know, keeping some money away for a rainy day. They might own their home. They might perhaps have good credit. Again, all of those things make them more attractive to scammers. Um, in addition, as somebody gets a little bit older, they might feel a little proud or a little embarrassed. And now they don't want to report if they become a victim of a scammer or any type of financial fraud or were duped out of personal information. So when, when you have those type of dynamics going, it could be a little bit more challenging for a senior or an elderly victim to proceed and, and meet with law enforcement or let them know that they let their guard down. And I think the, for those reasons, seniors are constantly barraged with targeted attacks that will try to find the vulnerabilities, their weak spots, and then they'll be exploited by these cyber criminals. It's a terrible thing, but it's very effective from the cyber criminal empire. They can really monetize on it. And they could focus on a very, very large pool of seniors. Wow, that's that's very interesting. You know, as a psychotherapist, um, I'm really curious if you see sort of a profile or the kind of person who would say, hey, I know I'm going to target vulnerable people, vulnerable elders, um, who might even be a little confused at times, you know, uh, people uh, living at home who may have some cognitive impairment. Um, who, who are these people? And is there some kind of common characteristic that you find among these folks who say, let's get together and have a really organized um, uh, attack on these vulnerable people? Yeah, to, to some degree, the cyber criminals, and I don't mean to sound this very callous, but they really don't care that much. They only care about how do they monetize it. And think about cyber crime in a sense. It's very different than robbing a bank. Because you probably see your victim. There's some emotional feeling you might have towards somebody. and You might go easier. You might not take mm -hmm. all the money, whatever the case may be. I yet, see. Yet it's so different when you have a senior that you don't see their face. Mm -hmm. You don't see that they worked hard all their life and saved their money. To them, it's just another opportunity to scam them, grab the money and run, sell it. And the other side of the coin is true, too. From the cyber criminal perspective, there, there's really no tell. They're not seen. 
So when you go into a rob a bank, you might put a mask on and, you know, a bad guy has a gun. They might be seen by the, the cameras in the bank. Their voice might be a tell to who they are. The license plate in the getaway car could identify them. The world of cyber criminals, they can literally be sitting on the other side of the world in Russia. Mm-hmm. They could be in the basement on a computer in their pajamas. So that disconnect, I think, mm-hmm. plays well into their criminal empire. So in other words, they put out blanket attacks to everyone. So they, they've targeted, in the case of my grandfather, I write about him in my book. Um, he lived in a community. It was a um, assisted living community, about 1,500 people. It had independent living, assisted living, and then he transitioned into a nursing home. But 1,500 different apartments in this large complex. That entire complex was targeted. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the scam that they were targeted with it was one of the phone calls. And, and again, why a phone call? I find this very interesting. Well, the phone rings in my house. My wife, my two kids, and myself, we all stare at one another. Nobody picks it up. <laughs> we have a landline phone. We kind of laugh. We wait. Caller mm-hmm. ID announces who it is. We say it's probably a scammer. They'll leave a message if it's important. A mm-hmm. senior, however, most likely grew up in a household where they had a fixed telephone line phone on their wall. That phone rang, and out of courtesy, you tried to answer it in the first couple of rings, and you were polite, and you said, hello. Mm -hmm. This generation doesn't do that. Everybody's Mm -hmm. got a smartphone. Everybody texts. Everybody's disconnected. And screens. We screen our calls all day long. Exactly. Exactly. So, again, my, my grandparents were targeted a number of years ago. They got a phone call. My grandfather happened to pick up, and it was somebody pretending to be the grandson down that lived down in Georgia, my cousin Brian, and, and they, the scammer simply said, Grandpa, is that you? And he said, who is this? And they said, Grandpa, it's me, your grandson. And he goes, Brian, is that you? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's me. You know, it, And so the story goes, we all heard about the scam. I'm getting locked up. I'm up in Canada. I was with friends. They had drugs in the car. And then, of course, my grandfather says, I told you, you should never take drugs. I know. I didn't take them, Grandpa. It was the other kids. But if I don't get $10,000 right away, they won't let me out. The story goes on. And and basically, I need you to go across to to the local Target, get a wire transfer sheet, fill out your bank account information, and and fax Mm -hmm. it right over. So him and my grandmother race across the street that just happens to have a Target across the street from this senior facility. And in line with all these other seniors, in line with wire transfer forms in their hand, and the, fortunately the girl at the checkout counter said, wait, wait, stop, guys. This, there's a scam going on, oh, and it stopped it right there in the track. So it, it's scary how effective you can basically go on the Internet, find senior homes, and start targeting them and mm-hmm. find their phone numbers and call them one after the next after the next. And really, all they need to do, cyber criminals, is be successful one time to mm-hmm. grab a quick $10,000. Mm-hmm. From the world of the good guys, us, we got to get it right every time to prevent these scams. It's difficult. You know, it's so interesting because uh, a friend of mine had this exact scam where it was supposedly, hi, grandpa, blah, blah, blah. Now, I want to tell you that this guy is the one of the vice presidents of a major fortune 500 company this guy is no dummy and yet he was about to write a check it was so sophisticated and uh they had someone set up as the supposed fbi agent 
that spoke to him. It was so intricate and so sophisticated. Here's a guy who, you know, super duper smarty and, and, you know, he, he, he couldn't uh, resist it. Yeah, yeah, and it's so convincing. And what are some of the tricks that they use? I was interested. I did a, I did a, uh, a session on. Uh, I think it was ABC television interview, and it was like an investigative piece. And the interesting part was they wanted me to dig in and, and find some of the typical tools that are used to scam people. And one of the things that's extremely effective is they spoof a phone number. It's a simple app. You can download it or subscribe a couple bucks a month. So you basically can put any phone number you want in there so you can look and seem convincing. So if I'm pretending I'm bank XYZ from the fraud department and I'm calling a senior, I could put the phone number in for that bank. And you could on the phone tell the senior and say, look, I'm from the security department. Before Mm. you tell me anything and for your own personal safety, I want you to go on the internet right now and type in this URL and just verify you, you so you see who I am and that I'm oh, legitimate. So the senior goes on, they type in bank XYZ, here's the fraud department, 1-800, oh, this must be real. Now suddenly they trust them mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. suddenly they give them everything. And and maybe maybe the scammer did a little bit of homework and got the last four digits of their their credit card or their bank account or their social security number, all of which are, again, easily obtainable on the dark web or the internet to, again, sound convincing, which, again, lowers the guard of the senior. So once somebody tells you very authoritative voice, you know, Mr. Schober, I have your social security number as one, two, three, four, the last four digits. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Suddenly you feel like, oh, okay. I guess they really have a computer screen. Yeah, this is really security and they're trying to help me. I better be as cooperative as possible because I don't want to lose any money. Convincing. It's sad, but it's very effective. Part of that is also called social engineering. They can do people and gather and garnish little bits of information about people by making other calls and fooling them enough to be convincing when they talk to their target victim. Wow. It sounds like part of your job is understanding the technical aspects, like, you know, you're talking about spoofing phone numbers, but you also sound like you have a really good understanding of the psychology of how people become victims. Yes. And I I think that's really paramount to getting into the cyber criminal's mind, understanding the psychology and the, the nature of how they are effective at fooling people. Again, young or old, it doesn't matter. They just use different techniques, different terms, whatever the case may be. And anybody that's effective with duping somebody or scamming somebody, socially engineering somebody, they'll study carefully the terminology for whatever the speak they have. If, if it's bank, they're going to use bank acronyms and terms that somebody in the banking industry will use. Mm-hmm. If, if a scammer is trying to target an, an engineering company, they're going to be using all of those familiar acronyms that an engineer would use. And, and that really is an effective way. If they really study the victim and their target, they take on that role to really fool them, socially engineer them out of additional information it makes that a very lucrative target that they could then get information from, steal identity, steal money from them, steal their credit cards, whatever their their goal is. 
It sounds like some of the techniques that are used might have been used in the old-fashioned cons, right? It's just now they have all these tech, um, uh, 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 what am I trying to say, more technical ways to um, enhance their con, that a lot of this is psychological warfare. Exactly. And and that's really an effective means. They use technical jargon mm-hmm. and technical tools to assist in the scam. Mm-hmm. A, a good case in point, you and many of your listeners, listeners may be familiar with um, the movie Catch Me If You Can. Mm-hmm. And that portrayed, I think, a, a, a good example of how it was more done old school with, with um, check forgery and kind of socially engineering on the fly, fooling people that he was a, an airline pilot or a lawyer or a doctor. Uh, and, and those techniques, and, and it's a real good book, um, it was written by uh, Frank Abagnale Jr. He's a colleague that uh, commented and gave me some praise on my second book, Cybersecurity is Everybody's Business. But he was really what inspired that movie, Catch Catch Me If You Can. Mm. I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio was in it and Tom Hanks and a couple ah. others. So if you have a chance, watch that movie mm-hmm. and throughout, think of it from the mindset of how does a scammer work, the psychology of it. It's fascinating. And it was, again, using familiar terms, talking fast, acting as if you you know what you're doing. Don't you don't give anybody the time to question you. You just push it right through. I see. And, and, and act very confident. I'm exactly. Sure. Yeah. If you take mm-hmm. on confidence in the way that the main character in that movie did it, he studied, he would grab a law book and he would skim through it, read it at night, picking up the terms, the mannerisms, dress the part. That's really what I've seen successful cyber criminals do. They learn to adapt to that environment. What also happens is once they do compromise, and this is usually done on larger scale hacks, but the same thing is true. They get into a network. They actually study all the movements. So say they're hacking a bank. They study the movement of all the tellers, the vice president, the manager, Mm -hmm. da, 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 and how much money they move from account to account. Now they can go in there and they could follow similar patterns. And what happens is the advanced software that's out there to monitor all this stuff, no flags go up. So it's really a cyber criminal out of Russia or China or Romania that's into a banking system. They lay low on the radar. They're moving money around, siphoning money out of accounts, stealing credentials, hacking into the system. And they're very effective because they lay low. So that really is, is, a, is a constant norm in the world of cybersecurity. Blend in with the environment, be it on a network, on the phone, in person scams, whatever the case may be. And it breaks down. The, the the person until they can actually move in and take what they're trying to get. That is fascinating. Just absolutely fascinating. Hi there. Spring has definitely sprung and I'm seeing little purple crocuses popping up in my neighborhood. And to celebrate the season, I'm taking $20 off of my popular Zestful Aging web course. You will learn the tried and true ways to add zest and vitality to your life. And it comes with a booklet I made just for the course. It's all based on science and my 30 years as a psychotherapist. So Hop on over to ZestfulAging.com for more information and use the code SPRING2021. You will get $20 off the course and 
it is going to be a great way to start the season. Now back to the show. And I'm wondering, you know, more people are working at home with COVID. Um, has this been an issue for uh, cybersecurity? Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's an issue in a couple of different ways. From, from just the pure cybersecurity hacking perspective, anytime there's a remote worker that connects in from their home office into the company's office, the red flags go up. Why? Because if they don't have several level, levels or layers of security in place, a hacker can use that as a conduit to get into the company's network. And, and that's what's happened in some of the big breaches. We look back at JP Morgan Chase, third-party access. Go back to 2013 Target. Mm-hmm. How was that compromised where millions of customers' credit cards were stolen? Again, third-party access from an HVAC company that mm-hmm. didn't have multi-factor authentication in place. So again, when there's a lack of layers of security, it's easy for hackers to get into the network. They pose as somebody that's an employee, but they're really not. And they start stealing things and they move laterally through the network, collect all the information, and they can even cover their tracks. Many of your listeners probably have heard about Solar Winds hack, which affected 18,000 plus Fortune 500 companies, hundreds of government agencies, including the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. Again, how did that happen? It was really through, in a sense, a third-party access through an employee's mobile phone. They tried to basically set up a secondary phone to gain access. Once they were able to get into the system, they were on in, into the system of solar winds for eight months before it was discovered by oh a cybersecurity agency. Oh, my goodness. It's frightening. Uh, yeah. And so unfortunately, they put... A, a, in their software that gets pushed out to these 18,000 companies, they put a special package of malware that was actually sent to everybody. So when everybody upgraded their software, mm. which is used for billing and things like that, guess what? 18,000 companies got infected with this malware. Mm-hmm. It's probably the largest, most significant hack in the history of mankind, but we have no clue what the repercussions are going to be. So we're just kind of all patiently waiting to see what is going to happen in the not too distant future. So it's, it's scary, but again, we are all targeted. It's not just any certain demographic. However, of all the research that I've done, in particular, seniors are especially targeted for, for the aforementioned reasons we discussed. Mm-hmm. And, and to your point, you talked a little bit about COVID and this pandemic. One scam that's really going around now that is effective is a vaccine scam. So in particular, and ask yourself, how do they do it? Well, they re- where, where do seniors typically spend a lot of their time right now on the Internet is Facebook. Yes. So that is a targeted approach. They've hit Facebook, not Twitter, not LinkedIn, not all these other social not, media Certainly apps. not Instagram. Yeah, right? no. Facebook. Yep. They're not front. So, so young ones... You know, sub 20 year olds, they've abandoned the Facebook platform and they've migrated over to the TikToks and the Instagrams and all these other crazy apps that that they love. But (laughs) in particular, Facebook has been targeted with all these promising scams that will tell people, hey, if you want to get your vaccine or get in line early or this or that, 
please call this number or go to this particular link and fill this information out because we have a Moderna shot, a Pfizer shot, or whoever. Oh, boy. And it's duping many ruthless. seniors. It's yes. Ruthless. It's, it's really, again, that to me is playing, they're using the psychology mm-hmm. and playing on fear and emotions and a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. And, and I've noticed that that's a common theme that runs through all cyber uh, uh, scams. When they apply a sense of urgency, it makes people put aside um, their thought about a potential scam, and now they're focused on the the health of a loved one or themselves to get a vaccine quickly. They're focused on, oh no, my my account was compromised, I need to do this. They said they're the fraud department, I better give them everything and anything because I don't want my money taken. So that sense of urgency to act now, it's effective in the world of sales. We know people fall for it all the time. You know, in the next five hours, if you click here, you'll get a 20% discount. Yes, yes, Same thing, same psychology comes into play. I don't want to miss out on this great thing. Exactly. And and the other one that maybe is second on my list at this moment, and I notice I say this moment because cyber criminals will constantly adjust the scam based upon that the, the disaster happening now, be it the pandemic or the time of year right now, it's... IRS times coming up. So they're all focusing on IRS scams, trying to fool people out of their electronic filing identity numbers, trying to take a refund based upon last year's refund. They, they hack in and they see what that is. So any type of thing where they're trying to dupe you via email with a phishing scam or over the phone, seniors need to be extremely careful because the IRS is not going to do that. Okay. It is high probability it is a scammer that has emailed you or calling you. They're going to send something via postal, most likely. That's a great segue, Scott. So the obvious question, how do we keep ourselves safe? Um, We have to, unfortunately, be very suspicious of everything. I hate to say that, but it's reality. A trusting person trusts everyone. Unfortunately, since I was a victim, myself personally and my company was hacked a few years ago, to the point where they stole $65,000 out of our company's checking account. Mm-hmm. I learned the hard way. It became a federal investigation, a lot of paperwork, a lot of phone calls, disaster. But I learned a lot in it. And what I learned is don't trust anyone. Mm-hmm. Before you trust, double check. Pick the phone up. If you see something that looks a little bit too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. Double check it. Enter in, uh, if you see something in a phishing, an email that says, please click here, and it gives a sense of urgency, it looks convincing, it's probably a scam. When you click on that specific link embedded in the email, even though it looks like it's from your bank or your stockbroker or the IRS, it's going to be a redirect that basically reloads your browser with a different link that looks, again, like your bank Mm -hmm. or your brokerage account, but it's not. And it's going to ask you a little bit of information Enter your credentials, enter your name, your address, your social security number, whatever it's asking you. It's somebody really stealing that information from you. Don't trust it. You are far better off going, opening whatever your favorite browser is and entering your bank name specifically, www.xyzbank.com. I see. So it comes from you. Yeah. You have to take the onus. You can buy malware, antivirus programs and all that stuff. Yeah, they'll stop about 20% of the attacks. What does that mean? That means 80% of them get through that you have to fight. 
That means it's coming into your email. It's coming in through your smartphone in a text. It's a pop-up that says click here for the latest deal. Don't be tempted to do those things. When an ad pops up for to, to save 50% or this or that, it's a scam that's a redirect where it's trying to siphon information from you mm. or download malware to collect your information. Another extremely scary thing when you click on a link in a phishing email or a link on a browser or visit these scary websites, oftentimes one of the strains of malware, that's malicious software, that's downloaded to your machine without you seeing it is what's called a key logger. And what that simply is, is it hides in the background and every keystroke that you make on your computer, it's recording it. It puts it into a text file. And I don't want to say it to, to sound very um, overly tech jargon and scare people, but it all starts based upon the user, you. If you click on these attachments, if you visit strange websites or you kick on pop-up ads that come on your screen, those are like an invitation for cyber criminals to download these type of key loggers. And that means the next time you go to your bank account and you enter Scott Schober password one, two, three, that key logger, that malicious software in the background is recording every single mm -hmm. keystroke without you knowing it. Wow. And then it sends it out via your email. So we need to really be careful before we click on anything. And I, and I say that not to, again, make people be fearful for people mm -hmm. to be cautious and that's question the reality. It. It's reality. That's they're trying to suck us all in and get us to compromise our information. Now, people, of course, have talked about Google um, as a as a browser and have gone to different browsers who they they feel are more safe. What are your thoughts about that? Um, I always walk the fine line because. The companies I'm talking about, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, government agencies, they're all my customers for my company. So I, I hate to badmouth anyone. But gotcha. full disclosure, use caution. And, and usually here's a good rule of thumb. Anything that is free, in other words, if you're using Google and you don't pay any money for it, or you're using a Gmail email account and it's free, what are you giving them in trade? Mm -hmm. Because you are giving them something in trade, whether you see it or not. And what you're giving them with a Gmail account, for example, is access to the content of your email. Mm -hmm. So they can scan your content, your email, who you send something from to every, every which way. You're giving them access to that and kind of carte blanche to say, hey, you can read this and use it as you wish. They take that information and obviously use that to target you ads. And some people could say, oh, I don't care. I'm not going to buy it. Well, it starts to fool you over time and convinces you to get, if they get in front of you enough times and say, hey, you want to go out there and buy a kayak, you're probably going to go out there and buy a kayak because you're seeing it on your desktop computer, your iPad, your smartphone. It's it starts so to fascinating. Yeah. I was on a, 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 a a retail um, site the other day looking at tennis skirts. And then my son was showing, we were on something totally different. And all of a sudden, here come tennis skirt ads. And I thought, well, it doesn't take long, does it? No, it, it really doesn't. And again, Google and, and other tech companies, they do this very sneakily. And, and what do they simply do? They don't really take your information. They're not saying, hey, Nicole, Christina, 
tennis skirt, dot, dot, dot. What they're doing, it's, it's something that's called metadata, data about data. So it's really analyzing all of Nicole's patterns on the internet. Mm-hmm. And you're basically assigned like a number. And that number mm-hmm. shows all of your likes. And, and it's everything to even to the point where your, your mouse, your, you browse over something and you're scrolling down the screen, how long you dwell, when you hit the button to buy, all of that information is collected. There's cookies and information back in the background that's collecting every single thing mm-hmm. about the pattern of mm-hmm. way you shop and view on the internet. That is sold to the highest bidder. When you enter a browser, at the top of your browser, a link, typically that is sold, that information that you just typed in your browser to over 20 different companies. That's fascinating. Scary. And I'm, I'm wondering what you thought of the, the Netflix film, The, the Social Dilemma. Um, stuff like that, it shows what really is out there, mm-hmm. how scary and how true it is. Now, I guess, again, that that's the fear side of it. We're being tracked through Gmail, Yahoo, anything free, Google, whatever we type. What do we do about it? Is there anything we could do so we're not tracked? You can use free browsers such as DuckDuckGo. Yes. A lot of people hear about it. They laugh, but they don't use it. It's a great browser. Mm. It, G- Google is probably better, or not a browser, I'm sorry, a search engine. Um, mm. Google is a better search engine than DuckDuckGo, I think, overall. But you get probably 95% of the stuff with DuckDuckGo, but you are allowed to stay anonymous. They can't track that Nicole wants to buy a tennis skirt. <laughs> and, and there's some advantage to that. because and, and, and to do a fun trick, what I've always done, I go on Google and pick something you would never, ever buy in your life. If you're kind mm-hmm. of in disbelief, like you mm-hmm. had your tennis skirt, pick something crazy out there. Yeah. I don't know what it is. A cap for my monkey. Well, I don't yeah. have a monkey and I'm not going to buy a cap. But do about five or six searches for that and click and drill down till you find it. Then wait a week and see how many times... These pop-ups come up for monkey hats and you'll say, oh gosh, I feel like I'm being stalked. This is crazy. It's true. Yeah, that's really interesting. Oh my goodness. So Scott, you have, you are the expert on this. Tell, uh, tell our audience how they can learn more about you and your work and, and, uh, your books and such. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my books are certainly all available on Amazon hacked again. Cybersecurity is everybody's business, and my newest book is Senior Cyber. They, they could find it certainly there, and there's an author page, so on and so forth. I have my own website. It's simply mm-hmm. my name, Scott, and then my last name, S-C-H-O-B as in boy, E-R.com. Okay. There's tips up there you could download for free. There's information mm-hmm. about myself and social media and all that other stuff there as well. That's Perfect. This is so, you know, it's so necessary. And I think as somebody who, you know, fancies themselves as pretty worldly, you know, we're really, I just feel like I am a sitting duck. And I've been, my credit card has been hacked so many times. One in particular, can't really figure out why, but boy, it takes a lot of energy. Um, and I have to prove, you know, they, of course, they open a file, then I have to prove I didn't buy these, you know, signed jersey. I mean, it's, it's really, and it takes an emotional toll, I think, to, to feel like you're so vulnerable and, and people are trying to target you. It, I think it's, it, it, there's something you lose trust and you do lose some innocence. Absolutely. And I'll share just one last tip with you. 
um, very important. And you touched on it because oftentimes our credit cards are constantly compromised. I have mine compromised over eight times within a period of one year. So it's a pain. One of the most effective ways that cyber criminals are stealing our credit card information is at the gas pumps. Mm -hmm. They're placing Bluetooth skimmers inside of the millions of gas pumps throughout the United States. And all it takes is one time that we insert our credit card into the gas pump. There's a mag stripe on the back and the skimmer will steal that information. They steal hundreds of credit cards per day they drive up within a hundred foot radius of the gas pump each day. And then Bluetooth, they will transmit all those stolen credit cards to their laptop. Then they go home and they go shopping. And that's how we get scammed out of all these things with online purchases because they're, they're taking our credit card information right in front of us and we don't even realize it. So at the gas right. pumps, use cash. Use cash. Yes. Okay, that's a great, you know, because it's so nice not to have to go into the, you know, the market or whatever it is. It's so nice to just slip it in and slip it out. But I have heard that, that, you know, there are things embedded and um, they're fairly common. And I bet that's exactly what's happening because I do use that for gas. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well. Thank you for educating us, and I really appreciate the work you do. Uh, It's so important. And uh, Scott Schober, everyone, check out his website and learn some more tips to keep yourself cyber safe. Thanks so much, Scott. Thank you for having me on, and everybody out there, stay safe. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the 
declutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.